Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Last week I started a message called The Beauty of the Body of Christ. And I talked to you from the point of the church. Uh, I gave you a heavenly perspective of the body of Christ. We talked about the high calling, right? That when we become born again, we are baptized into the body of Christ. We actually become members of Christ's body. Uh, We are called the bride of Christ. We're now awaiting for our bridegroom Jesus to come back and take us away to the place He's prepared for us. Uh, We're going to sit on the throne and rule and reign with Christ forever and ever. So we have this incredible heavenly calling of the church. And I detailed that last week. Uh, And I told you this week we're going to come down to earth. And I want to show you today the beauty of the body of Christ on earth. And let me just share where I want to go with this whole thing, with these these messages. Um, I really believe God wanted me to do these. I had a completely different set of messages prepared uh, two, three weeks ago. And I lost my notes. Could not find them. I mean, we turned the whole house upside down. I could not find them. And I could have done them over again, but I just I thought, well, maybe God, maybe you want me to do something different. And this came to my mind. And there's a lot of people that are disillusioned in the church. There's a lot of hurt people. I mean, I've been hurt. You've been hurt. I've been disillusioned. You've been disillusioned. Because we live in a fallen world. Um, but it's it's pretty severe, and it has some pretty difficult consequences. Um, And so I thought, you know, God, I want people to see and to know how beautiful your children are and what you can do through your church. And so that's where I'm going. That's my motive to speak on the beauty of the body of of Christ. And uh, really what I want to do with it today is I just, I've said not one, I've brought not one negative thing up. Last message, I'll bring not one negative thing up. This message, um, we're just focusing on the beauty of the body of Christ. I asked Pastor Willie if he would allow me to do a third message next week. And he graciously said yes. Um, But next week I want to talk about what happens when the body isn't that beautiful. In other words, we can still overcome even through difficulties when we hurt each other, when there's sin in the camp. I mean, can God get the victory in that situation? And can we be the beautiful bride that God has prepared? And the answer is yes. All right, so that's where I'm going with this whole thing. Um, And I speak from personal experience because I've talked with a lot of people and I see the pain and I see the hurt. And the end of it is despair, withdrawal, and suicide for born-again Christians. And it's horrible. And it's terrible. And we have the victory. There's a seed in us that has given us the victory. So I'm going to take us... I'm going to take us next week. We're going to go down a little bit. We're going to go down into the pain. But we're coming back up into victory. Uh, But today, we're just going to focus on the body of Christ and how beautiful she is on the earth. You know, I was thinking... The Apostle Paul gives the illustration of a human body to help us understand. Remember I said last week, the idea of the church is kind of this mystical thing. What does it really mean that Christ is in me? 
What does it really mean that we're seated in heavenly places? What does it really mean that we're the bride of Christ? It's like, I'm not really sure. I'll find out when I get there, right? But we're not there yet. So the Apostle Paul knew that, and so he gives the human body as an illustration of the body of Christ. And yes, everyone here knows the design in our human body and how wonderful it is. And I was just looking at one system, the vascular system. I, I looked up, what happens when your body gets a cut and bleeds? Well, you have like a trillion of these things called platelets swimming around in the bloodstream. And they just, they just cruise around, cruise around, waiting for a cut. And as soon as there's a cut, all of a sudden there's chemicals produced in the blood that activate these platelets. And if, if you watch spy movies, right, these operatives get activated. Okay, well, the platelets all of a sudden are activated and they become sticky. Okay, so, and they stick to the cell wall where the cut is, which is pretty cool. And then there are these proteins in the blood. They get activated and they produce something called fibrin. And I was thinking about bringing some silly string. Fibrin is like silly string. You know, you've seen kids spray that? It's a, ma- it's, a, it's a mesh. It's like spaghetti noodles. And it gets at the clot site and just forms this mesh right where the cut is. And then the blood platelets, the red, the re- I'm sorry, not the blood platelets, the red blood cells, they get caught in this mesh and form a clot. And then, I didn't realize this, I just happened to, I was looking at the news online the other night, and I saw this picture and it was describing the exact same thing I was looking at. And I saw that these platelets also release serotonin, which constricts the blood vessels, which slows the flow of blood. I'm thinking, that's incredible. Next time you get a cut, (laughs) you'll be thinking about this. And, you know, God has designed this human body to be that awesome. And it's all the parts, it's it's not like the platelets said, hey guys, I'm sorry, arm, I'm really sorry that you're cut. I really don't feel like activating. I'm just tired. I mean, you're just going to have to bleed. Or the, I mean, we, the body doesn't do that. That's silly. It's ridiculous. And God has designed this church, this body of Christ, really in the entire earth and those that are in heaven with Jesus. There's a design. And it's a beautiful design. And so we're going to read in the Scriptures just how God designed us to be you're going to see how amazing this really is. So let's look in Ephesians chapter 4. I think you have verse 16, but I'm going to start in verse 15. Paul says this, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Okay, what's the goal here that Paul is saying for the body of Christ? Verse 15, we're to grow up. Grow up. We want our kids to grow up. We desperately want our children to grow up. Well, God desperately wants His body to grow up. Grow up into what? The head, right? We're to be like 
our head, Christ. How are we going to do it? Verse 16, each part of the body supplies that which the other one lacks. So, if I'm lacking, which I was because uh, my wife is gone and I make frozen pizzas, well, one part of the body saw my lack at last week's message when I announced it, and they invited me and my boys to come out and do fishing on a farm. I mean, isn't that cool? They were following the orders from the head. Okay, I had a lack. I had a need. And so, I mean, you guys have seen this with divine appointments, right? You run into somebody. You share something amazing. Um, somebody needed a, a kind word. Somebody was in tears. You hugged somebody. You took somebody to dinner. You prayed for somebody. They got healed. Whatever the case is, that's this body thing going on. That's platelets being activated in the church. Okay, we are the platelets. Okay, you're being activated. And the cool thing is, if we will follow the head, I mean, look out, kingdom of darkness. You would see this bride just rise up and do incredible things for the glory of God. That's our destiny. If we're going to do that in heaven, why not do it on earth? Pretty cool. So, how does it work? Let's go to 1 Corinthians. This is really cool. This is the picture of the body of Christ. And I'm going to tell you how the body is activated, how Paul says the body should be activated, how, how Jesus does this. I'm going to read uh, 12, 21 through 26. And then I'm going to go line by line and just kind of expound it. Let me just give you a brief background here with Corinthians. You remember, uh, Corinthians was a church that was very divisive. There were contentions. There was strife. There was envy. Uh, there was an excess in the gifts, uh, especially with speaking in tongues and prophecy. And so that led to this amazing teaching on the body of Christ. Because of all their excesses, uh, we get to reap that. So, verse 21. Paul says, The eye cannot say to the hand... I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the, the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need. But God has so composed the body giving more abundant honor to the members that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, and that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. And if one member is honored, all the members are honored with it. I've read that a million times in the last 30 years. But I don't think I ever really understood what was going on there. And I just have a little bit more of an understanding now. Um, that I want to go through with you. Let's take a look here in verse 22. Paul says this, It's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Stop. Okay, physical body. Are there members in our physical body that seem to be weaker that are more necessary? Maybe the stomach, liver, kidneys. They are weaker than my biceps 
or triceps or quadriceps, right? But you take a stomach out of your body, and what's your tricep going to do? <laughs> Help! <laughs> you can forget the strength of your tricep. It's useless. So there are, bo- there are body parts in me that are more necessary, right? Okay, they're more necessary. They're weaker. All right, so but Paul is not just talking about physical human body parts. He's talking about the church. All right, so the question is, are there weaker members in the church? How many of you want to be a weaker member, known as the weaker member of the body part? <laughs> I mean, in, in the natural, we don't want to be known as weak, right? But really, I was thinking, you know, what, what's this thing got about weak? And we know that God's strength is made perfect in weakness. And God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the wise. So, yeah, I want to be a weak part of the body of Christ because then He can be strong through me. But, you know, as I was thinking, as an example of some a weak part of the body, would you agree somebody that's sick maybe is a, a weak part of the body? The... The example I thought of would be somebody with Alzheimer's. And my view on Alzheimer's is terrible. I hate Alzheimer's. And I've read or seen on the news, I can't remember. But here's my view of Alzheimer's. A married couple, right, you know, that are up there in age now, one of them gets Alzheimer's, starts getting dementia, losing their mind, and uh, they can't take care of them at home, so they put them in some kind of group home, right? Well, the spouse that's in the group home forgets that he or she is married to the other one and then starts developing an attraction for somebody else in the group home. That's terrible. I mean, that is, that's sick. And that's, that's been my idea of Alzheimer's. It's sick. And that's, that's not the way it should be. But, you know, God is really good because... I searched uh, for Alzheimer's and I found a woman, her name is Colleen Campbell. She wrote an article in Christianity Today and her dad had Alzheimer's. And so this really ministered to me. So I was really helpful. I was really thankful that she was listening to the head to write this article. And as soon as her dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, right, this is what he said. He, there was no pity party. There was no anything. He just said, he quoted Romans. He said, hey, everything works together. We know God, everything works together for good to those who love God. And he said, hey, God's going to take care of this. So this man, from the very beginning, just put his trust and faith in God. But it wasn't an easy thing to take care of somebody with Alzheimer's. And some of you may have done that. I've never done that. I've been with people that have had dementia, but I would visit them and then I would, I would leave. I didn't have to live with them and take care of them. I can't comprehend it. But this woman details, she says, well, understanding how Paul's words applied to Alzheimer's was not always easy. She said, every stage of my father's 12-year journey, okay, born-again Christians, Alzheimer's 12-year journey, through dementia was difficult for me. From the early days when my mother and I would search frantically for him, because he would get lost in the neighborhood. They just wander around. They don't know where they're going, and they get lost, and you don't know where they are. Can you imagine that? That's terrible. 
Uh, he no longer he no longer knew where he was going. In the middle years, uh, she said, I would arrive at their home to find them all confused and rumpled and disheveled. Um, he would wander aimlessly from room to room. And then there was the last stage of Alzheimer's where the plaques and tangles had choked his memories. Um, not only the, his old stories and friends, but uh, how to talk. It got his speech. Then he couldn't swallow. And then he couldn't breathe. And then he died. He went to be with the Lord. <clears throat> and so, you know, is there, is there good that can come out of this type of experience? Um, her title is Seeing the Hidden Grace of Alzheimer's. And she does bring out some good in this. She said, you know, I find myself pondering all that would be erased. She was thinking, I really wish I could just erase this whole mess. This is terrible. But she said, if, if I erased it, I would be erasing hundreds of grace-filled moments that God brought in these 12 years. And she just mentions some just side-splitting laughter at the silliest things. Uh, he was tenderly stroking his mother's hair one day and um, just he would tell her constantly how much he loved her, even through the dementia. And this is what really ministered to me because I told you, you know, to me my idea is dementia, it's like can somebody's mind be renewed if you have dementia? Because the Scripture says even though the outward man is perishing, yet we take heart knowing the inward man is being renewed day by day. Is that true with an Alzheimer's patient? Can God do it? I was starting to wonder because the only testimonies I'd ever seen were all really negative. But here's what she said. I began to notice signs in my own father, a gradual increase of faith, like yes, and hope and love amid his cognitive decline. Okay, this guy's mind is being renewed. I came to appreciate Dad's irrepressible joy, even when his one-liners made no sense. His greater sensitivity to other suffering, that's interesting, even when he could not comprehend its causes, and the steadfast confidence that he had and repeated with increasing frequency as his disease progressed, I'm in God's hands. Now, when everyone would ask him, how are you doing? He would say, we're all in God's hands. I'm in God's hands. So the guy's losing his mind, but his mind is being renewed day by day. Thank you, Lord. So the question is, back to verse uh, 22, how are weaker parts necessary? Why was this guy necessary? I mean, it's not that God causes his disease, but certainly God worked through his disease, blessed. These, the, the woman and, and the wife were tremendously blessed, even though it was difficult. I'm blessed, right? I benefit from it. But you know, God cares about body parts. And God is going to, the head is going to raise up and put into place people that will show love, edify, and care and show compassion for that man. And for 12 years, he received the care that God wanted him to have. So, weaker body parts are necessary because God gets glory and people get ministered to. Awesome. Let's keep reading. Verse 23. And other members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. So, 
If I ask you, all right, who wants to be the less honorable part of the body, we should probably all raise our hands because there are many who are first that will be last and (laughs) the last shall be first, right? But again, in the physical body, you know, what's what's a less honorable body part on my body? Well, for me, it's my big toe, right? Because I have a foot fungus. I don't know. But, you know, in, in the church, there are less honorable parts of the body. And God, the head, sees that. And the head is going to move mountains and move people and move circumstances and move situations and move resources so that that one less honorable part is built up, edified, and honored. That's how the body works. And I was thinking of an example. Uh, there was a guy that came to me. His name is Thomas. And years ago, I met him at McDonald's on Old Forest Road. I was just in there one day. And I saw him sitting at a table and he was reading his Bible. So I went over and started to talk with him. And I, you know, somehow I must have, I don't know, he invited me to sit down so we ate together. And he was telling me his story, his testimony. And he's a custodian at VES High School. And uh, he's like, he's like, Brother John, <laughs> that's what he called me, Brother John. He said, uh, I memorized all the names of the students at VES. There's hundreds of students at VES High School. And he says, I prayed for them. I prayed for them all. I'm like, really? <laughs> this is pretty intense. And he said, yeah. He said, um, and I, I form relationships with them in the hallway. And, and then I tell him, uh, I say, hey, guys, if you ever need to talk, I'm down here at McDonald's. On Friday and Saturday nights, just come on down. We'll hang out. So what do the kids do? They go down to McDonald's and hang out with them. Why? Because he's showing them love. And he cares about them. And he's ministering to them. I'm like, this is incredible. <laughs> it's not on TV. It's not on Billy Graham's stage. It's not on Focus on the Family. Here I am at McDonald's eating a cheeseburger, listening to something astounding. This guy is a less honorable part of the body that God wanted me to see and be edified with and pray for him and just marvel and say, you know, God, I, I honor this man. This guy's more honorable than I am. Isn't that cool? It really is cool what God can do. All right, let's keep going. Verse let's see, 23, uh, the honorable parts... Um, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Okay, I think we would all know what our less presentable body parts are because we all got dressed this morning. It's a good thing, right? Okay, but who wants to be the less presentable (laughs) member (laughs) in the body? I don't know. Who is the less presentable member in the body? Well, I picked a man. Again, your guess is as good as mine. But I picked a man who lives in South Korea. Um, His name's Pastor Lee. And let me just give you a little Korean culture background here. Uh, Family perfection is prized in South Korea. Okay. What do I mean by that? If you were... If a teenage girl has a baby out of wedlock, not good. Okay, Great shame and dishonor is brought to the family as well as to the girl that has the baby. And if you do have a baby 
Um, you're supposed to register the baby with the local authorities. I guess it's kind of like our social security thing system. And then once the baby is registered, then the baby can be put up for adoption. But if the baby is never registered, the baby goes into an orphanage and stays in an orphanage. Nobody can adopt the baby. It seems a little strange. So that's, that's a little bit of the background before I tell you about Pastor Lee. So there's this guy named Pastor Lee, and he had a son, and his son's name was Unman, uh, which is actually a Korean name. I forget it's a name that honors God. But his son was born severely disfigured, retarded, basically a vegetable. I was going to show a picture, but it's probably good that I don't. But his face was all twisted and elongated and contorted. And as soon as this baby was born, he said, God, I can't. Why would you do this to me? I can't have this baby. I mean, this is, this is a Christian pastor. And anyway, God dealt with him and uh, convicted him. And he said, okay, I'll love this baby. I can't do it, but with your help, I will love this baby. I will take care of this baby. So he made a commitment to do it, and that's what he did. This baby can't, I mean, he has to feed, you know, he has to literally feed the baby. And even into adulthood, he'll, he'll have to take care of this child the rest of his life. But anyway, so as he's raising Unman, um, he gets a call at like 3 a.m., and somebody on the line says, Box on your front doorstep. Click. Hung, hangs up. So he's like, what? So him and his wife get up. They run downstairs. Outside there's a box, a fish box, like would carry fish for market type of box. It's on his front door. So he takes the box in. He opens it up. There's a baby in the box. <laughs> the baby in the fish box. So you can imagine uh, what he might, must have felt like. Anyway, he takes care of this baby. And... Uh, I think he probably adopted that baby. I, I, I didn't remember the story. But it gave him an idea because he knew that in society, if you're a, a teen or if you're anybody, but you have a baby, um, and because of the great shame, what's the temptation to do with your baby? Well, you get rid of it, right? You throw it away. And so there's a bunch of throwaway babies in South Korea because of the incredible pressure uh, of shame and, and guilt. And so he knew that. So an idea came to him uh, that he would build a baby box. So what he did, the outside wall of his house, he cut a hole in the wall, and he built a box. And it had a door on the outside of the house, and it had a door on the inside of the house. And he had a little buzzer, like a doorbell, and little blankets and stuff. I don't know if it's heated or not. but um, And somehow word got out that instead of throwing away your babies, you could put them in his baby box. So people anonymously walk up. Usually it's at night. <laughs> they open the door. They put the baby in the baby box, ring the doorbell, close it, and they, they scamper off. And they'll never see their baby again. So he gets, he's in bed. He gets this, uh, <laughs> here's the doorbell ring, the baby box ring. So he runs down, baby box, baby box, baby box. And he opens the door, and there's a baby. So he takes the baby out. Next thing you know, the guy's got his own orphanage. And he adopted the maximum number of, babies that the state would allow him to adopt. Of course, his, his church members, the body of Christ, the platelets, would flock to his house to help him because, I mean, his house is full of babies. <laughs> and some disfigured and some retarded and some normal, but his house is full of babies. 
And that's what he does. The guy rescues babies. He gets 17 to, eight ba- 17 to 18 babies a month. And uh, there's a video I was going to show, but we weren't able to show it. But you need to Google Baby Box. Okay, there's a trailer. They made a movie of it. <clears throat> I'll get to it in a minute. But you need to Google the Baby Box, and you need to look at these videos because it's amazing what God can do with somebody. Well, thousands of miles away at UCLA Film School, there's a young man named Brian Ivey. And Brian's not a Christian. Brian's out to make movies. He's in the school of film. And he has these visions of winning awards at the Sundance uh, Film Festival. He's looking for glory. He's looking for fame. He wants to be the next Spielberg, right? So Brian hears about this baby thing. Somehow made it in the news. And so he, he, he uh, gets in touch with Pastor Lee and says, hey, I want to make a documentary of what you're doing. So Pastor Lee writes back and says, well, I don't know what a documentary is, but why don't you come live with me? So Brian's like, okay. So he flies over and takes his camera, and he lives with this guy, and he sleeps on the floor, and is filled with babies. (laughs) And this guy is with all these babies. He sees the incredible love that Pastor and his wife have to take in the throwaways. I mean, these kids were on, on their way to death. And he's the kid, his kid's shocked. And he comes to the Lord. He gets saved. And um, so he goes back to California. He makes a documentary. And somehow focus on the family, probably one of the largest ministries on the planet, Christian ministries, gets hold of it. And what do they do? So they produce this movie. And I don't know who saw the, who saw the movie this past winter. It was at uh, Movies 10 for only three days. Anyone see it? Wow, nobody saw it. You guys need to uh, need to see it. You need to go video, Google these videos. I saw it. My wife and I, and one of the Korean students, international students that was living us with us, he saw the movie, and I asked him afterwards, "What'd you think?" Because I was I was just blown away at the goodness of God, and I was thinking he would have the same reaction. He was like, "No, man, it's terrible," because of the 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 perfectionist in the Christian culture, and he's a Christian. <laughs> So anyway, different different uh, cultural perspectives. But, you know, what's what's going on there? Why I call this guy a non-presentable part of the body of Christ because he's not afraid to identify himself with the disfigured, the maimed, the retarded, and those who are being cast away for death. He's not ashamed to identify himself with those non-presentable body parts. And the Apostle Paul says... We need to make them more presentable. Every diaper that they change, every, every time they send them to the doctors uh, to get shots and medicine, every act of love, every bottle that they give these people is, is making those parts more presentable. It's just the head. There's a cut. There's a, there's a cut in South Korea. South Korea is bleeding. Okay, There's hundreds of babies that are just being thrown away. And God has raised up his body, his platelets, his fibrin, to heal this cut. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. And God will honor somebody who's not looking for honor, right? He'll raise up focus on the family to broadcast what you're doing to the entire planet so that God can get glory and so that He can get more help. And who are the... Well, let's, let's read the next one now. Verse 24, Whereas our more presentable members have no need of this extra care. Who, are the, who is the pre- presentable member in this story? 
It's Brian Ivey, right? He's the presentable member, and God raised him up to do the documentary and focus on the family. They're a presentable member, right? God raised up focus. Who are presentable members? Well, usually, I mean, singers, musicians, people that have speaking, teaching gifts, people that have gifts of healing, miracles maybe, you know, people that are kind of out there and those are presentable members and they're great. We praise God for them. But God will cause those presentable members to move to the less presentable members and just pour love and grace and kindness and compassion so they're built up and edified and taken care of. That's the picture of the body of Christ. Isn't that cool? I didn't have time to tell you about David Ring. He was born with cerebral palsy. He was born stillbirth. He was stillborn. He was dead for 18 minutes. They threw him in a box to take him away. Well, God spoke life over him, and the, kid, the guy lived. And he had cerebral palsy. He couldn't speak. He slurred his words. Well, finally, I, I can't really share the whole testimony. The guy gets saved. It's incredible. His mom died. His dad died. He's tossed from foster care to foster care. I mean, if the guy, Satan just beat him up, beat him up, beat him up. But God said no. Save, the, save this kid, gave him a, a preaching gift. They said, you'll never preach. He preached. He's preached all over the world. He said, you'll never get married. He's got a beautiful wife. They said, you'll never have kids. He's got four kids. I mean, it's incredible. David Ring. If you have never heard David Ring, Google David Ring and watch his videos and you'll just, you'll just say, God, you're, you're awesome. David Ring. Okay. Verse 26, well, 25. Uh, what's the purpose, Paul? Why is all this happening? So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. You know, if you're hurting, God really cares about your hurt. He'll move somebody thousands of miles to come and bring you a word, bring healing to you. Bring. He'll do it. He will do it. I remember a mission trip. I went to uh, went overseas to Ukraine or to Chernobyl. You know, to Chernobyl, the melted down nuclear reactor. Well, we went over there and ministered to the people who were beat up for years and years and years under that communist regime. And God, I said, God, why are we here? He said, because I love these people. So I raised you up. I got you the money. I put you on a plane and I brought you over here. I'm like. Yes, sir. <laughs> Whatever I can do, God. Here I am. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. And you guys remember little Josie Buendorf. Um, he died. And how the Buendorf family was bleeding badly. <clears throat> but you guys, you guys were awesome. You really were. Those of you that were here, the family in Amherst, their baby died goes to our church. Uh, they're on vacation this week. But, uh, Jason gave me permission to, to talk about it. Um, the entire body just poured love and compassion and mercy on them. And um, the whole community where they were in Amherst. I mean, the, the non-Christians just God raised up within a 50-mile radius. Everybody. And they, you guys made meals and you cleaned their house and you, you loved them and you hugged them and uh, people gave money. 
and people flew in from all over the country, all because a part of the body was hurting. And you do that. We hurt with those who hurt, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. <clears throat> I mean, do you see the beauty of this thing? And so, when, when we're hurt, though, is when it's difficult, right? When someone hurts me, when I'm offended, um, legitimately, someone sins against me, uh, someone sins against my children. That hurts. Okay, next week, we're going to talk about we're going to overcome hurt. We're going to overcome sin in this body. This body is going to function like the head wants it to function. Because that, we have the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the directing force, if you will, to move us in the way the head wants us to go. Isn't that cool? So, uh, you know, as we contemplate, we're going to do communion. And I can't think of anything uh, greater, really, to think about. Christ's body was broken, literally, and He was hung on a tree, right? His body was broken so that we could become His body. And His blood was spilled onto the dirt so that we could be cleansed from all unrighteousness. And so, Christ came and went on a cross for our sins. Your sins and my sins. Your lying, your stealing, your cheating, your self-sufficiency, your pride, your arrogance, my pride, my arrogance. That's what Jesus did. And He was punished. The fullness of God's wrath fell on Him on the cross. I don't think it was the cross, as terrible as that was, that was probably the hardest to endure. I think it was enduring the wrath of His Father to take the punishment for our sin. Can you imagine? I mean, you want to burn in hell in the lake of fire for all of eternity? That level of punishment was put on Christ so that we wouldn't have to pay it. So right now, as you're sitting in your seats, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never received His forgiveness for your sins, you need to do it right now. You need to, in your mind, you say, Jesus, save me. Lord, yes, I'm self-sufficient. I'm proud. I'm arrogant. I'm ignorant. I need You. Help me. Save me, God. And He will. He'll send His Holy Spirit. He'll save you. He'll place you into this the beautiful body of Christ that we've been talking about. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.